on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. I would say that I acknowledged that I've been an escort for about four years, but it's probably been six altogether that I've been in sex work uh, because it took me a long time to get to the point where I was like, Kate, what you're doing is escorting. It took a long time for me to get to that journey of looking myself in the mirror and admitting it. In Spanish, its name means the meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 55 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Thank you so much for hopping on board this little podcast journey to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we jump into this episode of the podcast, I want to thank my guest from the last episode of the show, Gabe Punsalin, the co-creator and co-founder of BetMingo, a brand new app that, thanks to crowdsourcing, provides real-time info about table games in Las Vegas, including betting minimums and limits. If you want to learn more about this amazing new app in time for your next Vegas vacation, jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 54, Know the Limits, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, on to the show. There's an old adage that says, sex sells. And I don't think there's anywhere that that's more true than in Las Vegas. Pretty much from the moment you step off the plane at McCarran Airport, you're bombarded with it. From almost naked showgirls on the strip asking for photos, to cab top advertisements for topless shows, to giant roadside billboards for local strip clubs, to a very public escort industry. And that's where we're going this time around. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Kate Lane. Kate is an escort in Las Vegas. She's been officially working as an escort for the last four years and has been involved in the industry in some form for approximately six years. Kate started following my podcast on Twitter a few months ago. So being the polite Canadian that I am, I followed her back. And when she mentioned appearing on a couple of other podcasts and a few of her tweets, I reached out to her and asked if she'd be interested in coming on this show to take us behind the curtain and into her world. We talked about how she ended up living in Las Vegas, how and why she started working as an escort, how she keeps her life as Kate separate from her real life, and some of the common misconceptions surrounding people working in her industry. And being that this is a judgment-free podcast where I know people are grown-ass adults capable of making their own decisions on whether or not to partake in the industry, I asked Kate to share a few etiquette tips for men who might want to spend time in the company of an escort, as well as some safety tips so that you don't end up robbed, in jail, or worse. Please enjoy my conversation with Kate Lane. I'm originally from Northeastern Ohio. Um, I typically say that I'm from Cleveland. Um, however, I'm from like a very small town um, within an hour's distance of, of Cleveland. Um, so it's it's really small, like 4,000 people. Um, that's kind of where I grew up. And um, I basically lived in Ohio until about 10 years ago. Um, after the market crashed, um, it drastically affected my job. And it I was sitting in my office one day and I work out of my home and sitting in my office and I'm, I'm looking outside and it's one of those days where it's like, it's just snowing, like, like snowing its ass off. Like, like you can't even see the street from the window. And, um, I was sitting in my office just kind of thinking of what direction I was going to go because my job was deeply affected by the market crisis. And, 
there wasn't a whole lot going on. And I was trying to just come up with a new direction of where I wanted to go with, with my job and life and things. And I'm like, you know what? The only thing that I really want to do right now is move. So I put my house for sale and decided to go to Florida. I was there for about a year and uh, I had chose Northwest Florida, um, Pensacola area, um, basically because I had known some people there. Um, but it's kind of a different place, especially if you're from the North. Um, <laughs> Pensacola, that area of the country is, they actually consider it lower Alabama. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was my first my first experience with somebody calling me a Yankee. <laughs> so I knew that there was culturally some things that were not quite a good fit for me. Right. So I ended up dating some guy that was in the military. And um, when he got transferred back to San Diego, we went to San Diego. You know, I think if I had gone to like Fort Myers or Miami or something, all would have been good, but I chose the panhandle. (laughs) 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 Um, Which side note, they have beautiful beaches, still love the place. It was just kind of a culture shock for me. Um, So I did go to San Diego. Um, The guy and I eventually got engaged and we were going to create a life together or so I thought. I had a lot more money than him at the time. Um, my house was paid for and I was kind of living off my savings and kind of put my life on hold because he only had a uh, one more year left in the military. So we were just going to wait out that year and move to Vegas and, and retire here. He was going to retire here. Mm-hmm. Once again, I had more money than him and he was very opportunistic. So he basically drained my account. And I don't want to say that he drained it by behind my back. It was all extremely manipulative things. Um, he never took anything behind my back, but it was all like for us. We'll do this. Let's do this. I'll pay you back. That sort of thing. And that that never happened. Right. So he came down to about or six weeks before he retired. And he's like, we're moving to Vegas. Why don't you go first? You could get your life set up. I'll come as soon as I retire. Well, his intentions were never to come here. So I kind of ended up in Vegas, like with no job, no money, no, no man that was supposed to live here with me. Right. And um, so it was tough. It was really tough. Um, I think a lot of people that move to Vegas have that similar story. I've been here now for about seven and a half years. So it's, it's kind of my little joke that I say, like, nobody really moves to Vegas because, like, everything's going good in their life. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, hey, business is going great. You know what I think I'll do? I'll move to Vegas. Yeah, some of those people do. Some of those people come and get a second home and they they split time here and wherever else they're from. But, like, the people that really move here, a lot of times they're they they just left a divorce they they just got out of prison they lost their job it's not like a, everything's going great let's move to vegas it's like a oh screw it i'll go to vegas <laughs> it's you a, know it's a whole it's kind of a eh, what the hell let's go to las vegas why not right yeah. right i mean and it's the same equivalent of people who move to florida where it's like yeah i'll go to florida at least the weather's good i'll right. figure it out same, <laughs> thing, same thing with vegas yeah. It's it's a terrible decision to do that without a plan. I tell the people this all the time because people think like I'm going to move to Vegas. I'll just get like a, a waitressing job. Certainly that's going to be easy. Oh no, no, that's very competitive here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a you've got a city that's quite literally based on tourism and the service industry yeah there's not going to be anybody else trying to get a job as a as a server or a bartender there at all no right and then you don't realize that most of those jobs or a lot of them are union jobs so people are retiring from those jobs Mm -hmm. it's 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 a terrible move (laughs) it really is so pro tip kids for anybody that's listening and thinking i'll move to vegas what's the worst that can happen don't just pick up and move to vegas kate says don't do that 
<laughs> no, definitely don't do that. It's a tough city to live in without a plan. No doubt. So you find yourself in Las Vegas. You're on your own. Uh, no job, no money, no plan, no anything. So what's the next step? Well, so my mom was, you know, getting on me like, you need to come home. You can stay with me. I'm like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, here I am and I'm like, I've always been really strong and really independent. And I'm like, there's, there's just no way that I have to move back home because I had a breakup. Right. I mean, let's just deduce it to what it is. I just had a breakup. Um, so I ended up, um, I, I do work outside of Kate. I don't want to say what I do here, but sure. it's with the public and, um, I, I I'm doing the same thing that I've done. It's my 18th year in the, in the field. Um, but it's, it's a business that I own and run. Um, and with any self-employment, it takes money to make money. And I didn't have any money to take to, you know, to put in my, into my business. Um, so I ended up working my butt off off to get a cocktail job. Um, and, and for me, it took 108 applications to get that job. Wow. Yeah. Applying for jobs was my job <laughs> for quite a while. Um, but I did that and I was able to get oh, steady income. So things were looking better for me. Um, you know, things started looking up. Um, but yeah, I cocktailed in a casino for quite a while. And so then from there, now, how did you end up working as an escort? Where did that decision come in? Well, with the background of me having somebody who took advantage of the fact that I had more money than him, something snapped in me where I was like, you know what? I can choose the man that I want to date. I can choose and be picky about his height. I could choose about his hair color, his eye color, his physical characteristics. I can also choose to date somebody that has money. And <laughs> there's no difference to me to be like, hey, you got to have a good job and, and good money. Because, and it wasn't like, at the time, I wasn't really trying to be a gold digger. I was just trying to protect myself from getting away from these men that wanted to take advantage of me. Mm -hmm. Um because even in Ohio, I made good money there too. And most of the people I dated made less than, um, and it was always like, I don't know, I guess I'm, I feel like I'm so much a giving person. I don't think about it when somebody's taking advantage of me. So it's usually like in retrospect, it's like, Oh, damn, <laughs> you know? So I started dating. Um, I'm, I'm, trying to get my business back in order and I'm cocktailing a couple days a week and I start dating and um, you know, I get on these websites and some of them were normal sites, but I was also on sugar daddy sites and I started dating these men that had like a lot of money. And I mean like private planes and Bentleys and um, you know, more money than I could even really imagine. And it was cool. I mean, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Come and pick me up in your Ferrari and let's go out. This is fun. That sounds awesome to me. <laughs> it was. It, it really was fun. But uh, coming from the Midwest and coming from, you know, a small town in Ohio, it was like, oh, wow, we're dating or we're seeing, you know, I'm probably, we're probably going to be exclusive. But as time went on, that that exclusivity was never going to happen and it was just basically like hey i'll call you the next time i'm in town we'll go out we'll, we'll have fun we'll probably may or may not have sex probably mm -hmm. um but then then i'll just there's nothing between now and the next time i'm here in town um so i got real fed up with that pretty quickly and um <laughs> it was like you know what they only want sex. They're going to whine you. They're going to dine you. And they're going to, they're, they're just going to want sex in the end. So at whatever point I was just like, I'm only going to play their game. I'm going to beat them at the game. Right. It just, it just got, it got old real fast, you know? And, and it was like, they would tell you everything they wanted you to hear, 
um, they thought you wanted to hear just to get you in bed. And then it was like, okay, thanks. Well, I hope you had a really good, good time because I bought you a couple of martinis and a nice meal at a nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. That doesn't pay your bills, no matter how many martinis, no matter how many fine dining, just doesn't. Right. So uh, on the sugar daddy sites, I was there. And um, for me, I was there a couple of years. And there's a whole dynamic in that world where, and I was the same way. Like, I'm not an escort. I'm not doing sex work. I'm just looking for a sugar daddy. You know, and the sugar daddies and the sugar babies, they both are in this mindset of we're not escorting. I would never hire an escort, the guys would say. Well, that's what you're doing. Right. But you're hiring one with your terms because in that world, it's probably the only world in online dating where the women outnumber the men. So the men kind of are able to to run the show. They hold the shots. They're like, well, I'll see you. But, you know, if you want to go to dinner and we'll have drinks before dinner and maybe we'll gamble, maybe we'll do whatever. And it'd be like a whole night. And they'd be like, well, here's like 300 bucks, <laughs> which you're like, well, hell, I'm I'm working my butt off on a smoky casino floor that $300 is good until you see what escorts are getting and they're not putting up with the bullshit that the sugar daddies are giving. So I've been an escort for, it's really hard to say. I would say that I acknowledged that I've been an escort for about four years, but it's probably been six altogether that I've been in sex work uh, because it took me a long time to get to the point where I was like, Kate, what you're doing is escorting. It took a long time for me to get to that journey of looking myself in the mirror and admitting it. It's such a stigmatized word that nobody wants to really admit it. But once you do, you take the power back and you're like, no, I'm not putting up with that. If you want to see me, my rates are this for however many hours. But when I was able to finally admit that is when I took that power back. I was going to say when you, when you reach that point, that that's gotta be somewhat, again, as you say, as you put it, uh, empowering that you can say, okay, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And you know what? I'm, I'm happy to be doing this. I'm proud of what I'm doing and ta-da, here I am. Absolutely. And and, and, yeah, it's very liberating. Um, I wish that I wouldn't have spent, those years in that gray area because I'm not, I'm not at all ashamed of what I'm doing. I think that it's a service that some people really need spending time with me for some of my clients is amazing to them. And it's a journey to them and it, it allows them to be a person that they're not with the people that they're typically around, whether it be, that they're always working or they have a loveless marriage or whatever. Um, it, it gives them something. It's, it's like getting a massage, you know, it feels good. So when you made the decision to become an escort, did you reach out to any other girls or reach out to anybody else in the industry for, um, any kind of support or, uh, tips on how to be involved in the business. Did, did you reach out to anybody else for any kind of help? I didn't. Um, I did a lot of research. Um, I spent a lot of time on Reddit. I spent a lot of time Googling, um, reading articles, things like that. Um, but no, I didn't know anybody that was doing it except for one of my girlfriends. Um, (laughs) I had a girlfriend um, that was a stripper. She truly was a stripper. She worked at a couple of clubs in town, Um, but she would meet guys online. She would meet guys on Tinder and Bumble and plenty of fish. And um, she would 
say, oh, I would love to see you tonight, but I have to work. I work at the club and I make $500 a night. And then the guys would just be like, well, I'll just pay you the 500 if you want to spend the time with me. So she, she kind of had a hustle. Um, so her and I were friends. We worked together. We cocktailed together. But um, I didn't want to do things the way she was doing it because she was putting herself in a lot of safety jams. Like she, she, she called me one time and was like, Hey, I'm in Utah. I'm in Salt Lake at this guy's house. Can you Google him? And I'm like, why the hell didn't you, why, why didn't you figure out who this guy was before you went there? (laughs) I I feel, I feel like that's, that was done in the reverse order of the way things should have been done. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. So she's like texting me and calling me and she's like, can you Google him? And I Googled him and like, like it wasn't even like an in-depth background check. It literally was a Google. I put his name in Google and it comes up that he, like he spent all of this time in federal prison because he, he was supposedly a land developer. Well, he, he had bought, he had, he had sold this condo project out to people like he he was taking all of these pre-orders on these condos like right. 58 of them, right like like he did this to 58 people <laughs> they all put deposits on it and he didn't even own the land Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so she so she's text she's texting me and i'm like girl you got to get out of there get yourself an uber get to the airport get out of his house leave now and she's like i'm not leaving without my money and i'm like who do you think you are? This guy conned 58 people out of these condos and your five foot one self is going to demand money. No, just leave. Yeah. It's a loss. Just leave. <laughs> God. Wow. So her and I were friends, but I didn't want to do things the way that she did. Right. So I just did a lot of research and then it was like, I mean, hello, Google. How do I, where do I build an escort site at? And I mean, I've done site building and things like that, you know, with my other business. So um, I, for me, I applied a lot of the principles from what I do in my other life to Kate. And that's how I run it. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter if you're selling a widget or if you're selling time, you're still a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when I'm on a date is a little bit different. Um, but I would say 70% of your time, you're doing all sorts of other things rather than just have a date. I've been on dates. I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it was more the marketing and the, the, the backside of, of it all, the admin work. Which I'm, I'm guessing is just as thrilling for this business as it is for any other business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have to do all of that because it is a business. Um, you know, you, you have to do all of that accounting. You have to do scheduling. You have to update your website. You have to, uh, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> So you've, you've mentioned that you have a a life outside of Kate and you have another job and another business that you you're involved with. How do you keep Kate separate from quote unquote real life? How do you, how do you maintain that double identity? Um, well, I, I try not to overthink it. I, I would say in the 18 years that I, that I've done my other job, there's been periods where that's all I've done. Business was really good. That's all I focused on. But there was a lot of periods where it was like, yeah, the, the you know, things aren't going so well. The economy's not going so well. Might have to do something else. You know, we're like bartending or whatever comes in. Um, so there's a lot of com- compartmentalization that goes on in my life, but it's not much different than what I did when I, did my main job and I bartended or cocktailed on the side. You know, when I was bartending or cocktailing, that's what I was. When I was doing my other job in a business suit, that's what I did. I, I wasn't a cocktail waitress till I put that uniform on. 
at first it became, it was a bit difficult because I had this like, holy shit, I'm an escort, you know, and it was <laughs> always in the back of my mind, like, well, you're doing this. And it's like, yeah, but your little voice inside's going, but I'm an escort. No, I mean, at some point that you just have to calm that thought, thought down. You're not an escort right now when you're working on a spreadsheet, you know, you're just a business person. It was a lot of let me gonna let me do this and then put this thought and this action and this task back in its box and then I'll open up another box and and work on this. So you kind of consciously have to go, okay, I'm gonna file this box away until it's time to pull this box out. When I'm with my friends that don't know Kate, we don't talk about Kate things. <laughs> does that I mean, does that make it hard in in life to not have those stories just kind of, I guess, slip out. I mean, I've been a little bit behind the curtain hanging out with female friends that start talking about dating and, and relationships and dates that they've been on and bad, weird situations and strange stuff that guys have done. Have you ever had a situation where you've been out with those girlfriends and all of a sudden a story from, from a client just kind of whoop, slips out into the conversation? I have had that. Um, I generally just say like, oh, I was out with this guy I know or a friend or something like that. And I'll tell a funny story. Right. The weirdest thing is I have a guy friend that I work closely with in my other business. And, um, I know him and his wife and we're, we're all close, but I'm probably closer friendship wise with him. So he swears up and down that his his wife does not know Kate, but I'm pretty sure he's told her all about Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just living this lie. But um, like I told him a story about somebody I had seen as Kate and it was pretty funny. So he tells his wife and she's like, I heard about that date you were on and it wasn't like complimentary to the, to the, to the gentleman or myself, <laughs> but it was funny. And I'm like, Oh dear God. I hope she doesn't think that that actually happened in my real life, but <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm assuming, I imagine you, you maintain a, uh, a certain level of discretion. I know on your social media um, photos that you have of yourself, you don't show your face or anything like that. Is, is there ever that concern that you're going to be out in public somewhere spotted by a, a, a past client that, that, you know, do you, I'm assuming you have those ground rules or you just don't acknowledge it or, or how do you, how do you handle it? If that, that happens. Uh, you know, I've never had that happen yet. I've thought about it. I, I mean, I see on Twitter where people have that happen and they're like public service announcement. If you see me, do not address me. <laughs> you know, right. I, I, I've not had that happen yet. I hope that that doesn't happen. I just recently had an experience a couple months back where and I, I suppose that I shouldn't have been so shocked, but I had met a mutual friend for dinner and then met other people that I didn't know. And I didn't think that they knew me, but we started talking about Twitter and they were like, oh, my God, you're Kate. And I like I wanted to, you know, crawl into a hole because it was the first time that somebody knew me that wasn't like somebody that booked me. Right. But. I have a lot of followers, so I don't know why this was a big shock to me. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of people that, that interact with me on a daily basis, or at least see me online. But it, it was, I, I was like, oh my God, you know who I am? And, and they're like, yeah, we follow you. And I'm like, no shit, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> so. I don't know. Maybe I was naive about the whole 
you know, if you have followers, eventually somebody's going to know who you are. <laughs> Someone's going to find you and, and shoot you that knowing glance across the table at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the guy had said, um, I very rarely post pictures on my Twitter account anyway, but, um, you know, there's pictures of me on my website and, and he's like, and I have a, I have a tattoo, but it's on my torso and that's the only tattoo it's large, but it's, I don't have anything anywhere else. And he's like, you know, if you would have been wearing something to show your tattoo, I would have, I would have known exactly who you were. And I'm like, well, that's why I don't show it. <laughs> I'm like, you got to take me to the pool or get me naked in order to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, some of your friends are aware of, of Kate and of that, that persona. What about family? Do any of your family members know at all? Um, not that I know of. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I struggle with it from time to time because I'm not a very good liar and I don't like lying. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm I've always been an extremely open person, even with like a stranger. I'm like, yeah, I've been there too. I know how you feel. You know, I'm like, like I'm totally open and talkative. And, and if I do something that I think is funny and it would be, some people would like never repeat. I'm like, you're not going to believe what I did. Like I am totally open. So this has been like, it's a challenge for me because I want to tell the people that I love, like, this is what I did. This is, this is my life. And here, here I am. But in reality, some people can't handle that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what I'm doing is stigmatized by society for the most part. Um, and then, then on the other hand, there's people in my life that they wouldn't think any less of me for doing it. In fact, they know my personality and they know who I am. So they're probably like, you should have done this all along. But I don't, I don't also want to, I don't want to worry them. You know, like, I don't want to tell my mom, hey, mom, by the way, your daughter, your pride and joy, like your flesh and blood by the way, I'm an escort. Like that's not the proudest moment, but it's not, it's not that it's not something that I'm not proud of because I absolutely am. It's that society has stigmatized it. The media has stigmatized it. You get this pretty woman type of picture in your head or streetwalkers. You know, even my, even my close friend that I had just talked about when I first started he was like, you know what I was going to do? Because he thinks that I'm like naive or whatever. He's like, you know what I was going to do? I was going to send you an email and set you up to see if you screened people properly. And I was like, if you ever think of doing that, we won't be friends anymore. You need to trust that I'm safe about myself. But like back to my mom, like she wouldn't hate me. She's She loves the hell out of me. Like but I don't ever want to tell her because she like, if she has a flight in the morning, she's not going to sleep. Not because she thinks the plane isn't going to go down, but because she's not going to get her perfect seat on her Southwest flight. Right. You know, she, if she gets anxiety over that, like she's not going to be able to sleep because she thinks I'm putting myself in harm's way. Right. And I don't want her to, I don't want that on her conscience. I, she doesn't, people don't need to know everything that you do. Mm -hmm. You know, and that to me was also a journey because I, I've always been really open with all of my friends and it's like, wait a minute, this is kind of my sex life and they don't need to know about it. And I don't tell them the intricate workings of my day-to-day -day business. You know, they don't know all of that. They know what I do. Period. So they also know that Kate's single and Kate goes on dates. So that's all they need to know. I was just going to ask if you maintain any kind of dating relationships or anything outside of of the Kate world. And, and do you or no? <sighs> you know, Jeff, <laughs> I didn't think about this. <laughs> I ask all the tough questions, Kate. I ask all the difficult ones. <laughs> 
it's hard for me to want to have the conversation, right? And I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't know me fully. And I'm also kind of a lazy person when it when when I have the opportunity. So I haven't dated outside of Kate since I've been Kate. But that's going to change because I'm not always Kate. And I do want to date. Um, I don't know, though. It just seems like for me, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to approach this. <laughs> but there's a lot of people, a lot of girls that I've met, a lot of people that I follow on Twitter who have whole healthy relationships out of sex work and it's just a job, but I'm not, not dating. I mean, part of it is because of Kate, but I've always been kind of into my work and I don't always have relationships. You know, mm-hmm. one of my girlfriends the other day said, cause I, we were talking about dating and I said, yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to start dating. And she goes, for as long as I've known you, it's always been you. I don't know how I feel about you with somebody else. And I'm like, right? Me neither. (laughs) I don't really know how to put this into words, but I'm from the Midwest. It's really structured in like, you know, you, you, you go to high school, you might go to college, you do whatever. But by the time you're like 25, you're married and have a baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, that has never worked for me. That's, that's no good. Um, so, but I still kind of have those Midwestern values. So I'm like, I'm not really sure that I'm like polyamorous, like, Hey babe, Oh, you're going out with your, your girlfriend tonight. Okay, cool. Because that takes a really strong person. And I'm going to admit that I don't know if I'm that strong. Right. But I also don't really want to be with like one person all the time for the rest of my life. That sounds terrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is like I'm in Vegas. I'm not in Midwest Ohio with 4,000 people in the town. So people are a lot more open minded and. You know, sex work is becoming more mainstream, I believe. And I do want to talk about life as as a sex worker. And I think, you know, we've hit on a couple of these points. There's a lot of common misconceptions about sex work and sex workers. I think, as you mentioned, there's certain stigmatization and stereotypes Everybody kind of believes that everyone working in sex work is being exploited and has a pimp and is is abused and is a victim of sex trafficking. I'm sure there's some of that out there, but that is not a hundred percent the case, is it? No, not at all. Um, you know, there there are people that that are exploited and trafficked and things like that, but there's a whole lot of us that got into sex work because we wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of misconceptions. Um, one of my favorites is no little girl wants to grow up to be a sex worker. Um, you know, that campaign is out there for the um, the no little girl campaign. And I'm here to say that it's bullshit. Um, I remember being on the bus when I was probably, I don't know, maybe like sixth or seventh grade. And I remember specifically being on the bus with one of the kids. And I was like, I'm either going to be a trophy wife or I'm going to be an escort, you know? (laughs) And, and I, I like to this day, remember sitting on the bus and I I was like, I I was weighing the pros and cons, like counting it off on my fingers. Like, (laughs) you know, took me a long time to get there. Uh-huh. I chose to do this. Um, I want to do this. And, you know, when it goes back to thinking about dating, like whoever, whoever I'm going to date is going to not have a problem with this. Uh-huh. Other misconceptions. Um, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't know any sex workers wrong. We all know a sex worker. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a sex worker. Sex workers come from all sorts of life. Every kind of person out there is, you know, every type of people that you meet, there's probably a sex worker in the mix. And, and we're, there's no unique type. Uh, 
and I don't just mean physically, I just mean like all walks of life, professional people, um, people from for people that are grew up wealthy, you know, it's not, it's not just a survival thing. Um, some people, I mean, I even see in pe- people on Twitter where they're like, if I hit the lottery, I would still be a sex worker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's an enjoyable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I guess that, again, that kind of comes back to the common misconceptions that people think that people are being forced into it. And, and as you know, as we, you and I have both said, there's obviously there is some of that out there, right? but there's a, a, a large percentage of people involved in the industry that are there because they love it. Absolutely. If I were to go out in, on a date in my normal life, you know, maybe we'll meet, we'll have a couple of drinks. Maybe we go to dinner, whatever. They just think that I'm an average person and I'm thinking they're an average person. Um, but when you have people that are coming to town specifically to meet you and they've seen snippets of my face or my body or pictures or they follow me on Twitter, like they're very excited to meet you, you know, they're, they plan a date out and it's like, we're going to have cocktails. We're going to go to this fine dining place. We're going to do this. Then we're going to spend some time together. Like you're jacked up on adrenaline mm-hmm. that you don't get on a typical date. So it's hard to go back to reality where it's like, Hey, you want to go to PTs and have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of first dates, but first dates are the most exciting dates because you're on your best behavior. You're, you're, you're not like, Oh, I have acid reflux right now. Like nobody ever tells me that. (laughs) There's, there's no, there's no, I'm going to go in the can and drop a deuce. I'll be back in 10. Got a book. There's none of that when, when they're on a date with you. Well, there has been, but they were <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody's on their best behavior. So it's a whole lot of first dates with a whole lot of people who are all on their best behavior. Like, if you don't get that, like, on Plenty of Fish. You talked briefly a little bit earlier about your safety. I would imagine, I mean, you're... Obviously, you want to stay safe. You want to you want to have a, a a safe time. You want to make sure the people that are coming to see you are are the right people that should be coming to see you. How do you manage your safety? You you mentioned screening. You do some screening in advance. Any other ways that you manage your safety? Somebody always knows where I am. Mm-hmm. I don't go to personal residences. I don't go to like some kind of off strip no name hotel. Um, most every, t- most of my dates are in public, um, at least for meeting. Um, but I'm not going to like, you know, the days in on X, Y, Z street. You're not going to a seagull suites is what you're saying. And, oh God, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And if anything feels weird, I leave. I don't, I've, I've really not had the problem because I do require people to give me real world information. And, um, I am, I do have the luxury of turning dates down. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Kate does pay the bills, but I don't have to go on any dates. Um, if I don't want to, if it doesn't feel right to me, like if, if, if somebody's not forthcoming with, their information or I feel that they're not being open. I just simply don't see them. Mm-hmm. I would say that, yeah, I'm, I try to be completely safe is that doesn't mean that it's foolproof. You know, somebody could snap or somebody could, it, something could get through. Mm-hmm. I hope that it doesn't. Um, I used to do skip tracing. So I feel like I'm pretty good at background checks, but you know, 
there there could be a time where I'm not. And it doesn't matter. Like there are people who don't have a criminal record that could be criminal. But yeah, I, for the most part, I feel like everything's safe. So I guess the other thing that everybody is always curious about is what's the, the, the sort of the common date for you? Is it uh, a lot of social time? Is it a lot of personal time? Is it private time? Is it combination thereof? I mean, I'm assuming you've probably been able to go to some great restaurants, see some great shows and, and just basically meet some amazing people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a mix. Um, I think the difference between my dating, um, in Las Vegas and the dating that I've done as Kate, um, is that uh, when I was dating for myself personally, I was seeing very wealthy people and, uh, now I see more of a mix of people. There are some that are real, that are wealthy. And then there are some others that are just like, I'm treating myself and they're an everyday average Joe who has saved up for it. So some of my clients that, that do better than others will go on a long date. I've had, I have 24 hour dates. I have weekend dates. Um, you know, other times like some of my clients will save up and we may only have a 90 minute date. So it's a, it's a mixture of what, of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to be more of an experience rather than a, I just got together with Kate and whatever. So I, I prefer dates that are two hours and longer mm-hmm. because I just don't feel like you I want to deliver a a very good experience and I feel like if it's under two hours, it's kind of hard to do that. I talk a lot, (laughs) you know, a lot of times people are nervous (laughs) right? and I, and I think I probably talk to overcompensate for their nervousness, but I meet a lot of guys who are like maybe a bit socially awkward Mm -hmm. and they take like they're, they're probably never going to go out to dinner because that would be hard for them to think about what they have to talk about. Mm -hmm. But they don't really realize that I'll just talk to them about anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like the nerves are before you meet. And then once you get there, it's really not. I look at people like you're my old friend and we're just catching up. So when I meet somebody, that's always how I go into a date. How have you been? How are you doing? This and that. I'm not going to act like it's the first time I've met you. I never do that. That's even awkward for me. Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but because a lot of people thought uh, I get most of my dates from Twitter and because so many people follow me there, they feel like they kind of know me when they meet me, Mm -hmm. which I guess helps. Well, I would imagine from in following you on Twitter and seeing the stuff that you share and, and you would, you would get to know a person that way. You'd get to know their sense of humor. You'd get to know their, their likes and their dislikes and, and kind of get a little feel for their personality. So I can see, uh, I can see how that would be an advantage. Yeah, for sure. Like, can you imagine back in the day when people would pick an escort out of the yellow pages? <laughs> <laughs> like Bambi looks good. Let's take her for the night. And you have no idea. <laughs> um, any experiences that really stand out in your head from the world of Kate? I mean, good experiences are fun, but of course the, the really weird ones are the, are the real fun ones to hear about. <sighs> You know, I would love to be able to tell you that I had some really messed up experiences, but it's just not like that. Uh, <laughs> there, there's we're breaking more stigmas here with that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it it really just is not like that. Um, it, all of my really crazy dating stories have, <laughs> and I have them outlined in a chat in in a file on my computer by chapters in case I ever write the book that I want. Um, all of my really crazy dating stories were all done 
personally. Um, I feel like everybody's on really good behavior. It's like, it's like they've paid for this date and they don't want to screw it up. And, and they haven't like, I've, I've met some people that I've had dates with some people that I definitely wouldn't see again. Um, but nothing super crazy that sticks out. That was like, man, that was messed up. Um, but I have, about 13 chapters listed in my book of <laughs> personal dates that, that, that I may actually sometime, sometime write that book. <laughs> I would read that book just as an aside, just so you're aware, I would 100% read that book. <laughs> yeah. Before I let you run, I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the sex industry, sex worker industry, I guess in Las Vegas, um, totally judgment free. I mean, it's there. People are, are, are doing it. People are partaking in it and being involved in it uh, from a client side of things. Do you have any tips for guys who, who want to book time with an escort, any safety tips that you can share, any etiquette tips that you'd care to share? How can a guy make sure that he's not going to get robbed? Things like that. Okay. Well, I would, um, Always try to find whoever you're going to see online. You need to find somebody who has an online presence, who has a, a decent website, somebody who isn't just like a couple of pictures and a phone number. Um, I'm not saying that they're not credible. They could be young. They could be survival sex workers. They could be new. Um, everybody does start somewhere. But if you really want to to ensure your safety, find somebody that has a strong online presence. These are people's life and jobs and, and they don't, they don't want to jeopardize it. So there's a lot of people who, who men who want to say like, Oh, I can't give you my real world information. Um, I'm married. I don't want you to out me. No sex worker is going to out you, you know, no credible sex worker. Are there girls that are working with pimps that that will rob you and do things? Absolutely. It happens. I've heard horror stories from my clients. Mm. So don't get on those those CD websites because there are good ones out there to find people who have a, a longstanding good reputation. I said before that I worked in a casino. Um, when I worked in a casino, I was not Kate. But I did see security often running um, the casino girls out. Um, I've worked a lot of graveyard shifts where, you know, even on my floor serving drinks, I would see the girls working mm -hmm. and their pimps there. I mean, I wouldn't want to work for somebody who is supporting somebody else's business. Mm -hmm. um, security at the casinos used to tell us they're like we don't have a problem with the escorts we don't we don't have a problem with that but when the girl when guys are picking them up in the casino and granted i've never i've never worked as a casino girl um so i'm only telling you what what security told me as as a casino employee but they're like we don't we don't have a problem that somebody's going to go back to their room and have sex we don't care uh -huh. but we don't want somebody being picked up in our bars being drugged and their watches stolen so that's why we run them off right you know i mean and it's no different than like it's 2020. Who the hell's picking up their boyfriends and somebody that they're taking home in a bar? That's not safe either. So right. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and no shame to the girls that are because some of them really are, you know, just out there trying to survive and, and God, I hope they make it, you know, but it would be very scary for me as Kate to pick somebody up, go back into their room and not know who the hell they are. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. And I mean, as a guy, I've had that experience of sitting at a bar, sitting at a slot machine and having the girls come up and talk to you. And I mean, I, I'm always very polite and I'm always very nice and, you know, no, thank you. But I mean, I have left casinos because of extremely pushy girls. I, I often tell my friends, I joke about being at the Venetian one night and playing at about two o'clock in the morning and 
like three girls coming up one right after the other. And I'm like, girls, I'm playing the penny slots. I've got like $4 in here. What, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> right. Exactly. If I give you $4, will you just leave me alone? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to play Buffalo slots. That's all I'm trying to do here. <laughs> there's, there's nothing worse than working in graveyard shift at, the, at a casino and having that, that damn Buffalo jingle go off at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's, it will forever be in my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not saying, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of those girls are just fine. I, I, I just, I'm just only saying what the, what the security in the casino that I worked at said. I mean, I respect their hustle, but I also know that, you know, between that and, and some agencies that have a little less, uh, uh, not as good of a reputation as others, you can get yourself into some jams. I've had, I've had clients who didn't know what they wanted to do, but never saw an escort before. And they decided they were going to come to Vegas and they were going to hire an escort. And they went through an agency and they're like, damn, do you know what that cost? <laughs> <laughs> By the time it was over, we didn't we didn't even do anything, and it was three thousand dollars. I'm like, Jesus! I'm like, I, that's like a twelve hour date for or even longer. That's a long date, you know. It's like it's it's a certain fee to come to your room, and then it's a certain fee for this or certain fee. For I don't know. I've never been one of those girls, but it's a lot of tacking on and and just just, just trying to just trying to, you know, run you. Right. Right. Do you have any etiquette tips for guys that, that do decide they want to try to, to book an escort? Yeah. Um, very simple. You're finding somebody online. I mean, most girls are online these days, read their website, everything that you want to hear, everything that you need to know is there. So, um, read their S read their website um, generally most girls will want you to fill out a screening form or send them an email with, with certain information there, send that all to them. Don't make it to where it's like, hi, I want to see you. So you wait for an email back. When do you want to see me? Well, I want to see, you. no, just like you're setting up a time with somebody for a business meeting. Do it like that. Uh -huh. Not like, hey, Jeff, can we get together sometime? Yeah, Jeff, when are you going to be in town? Well, I'm going to be in town these dates. Good. What date do you want to see me? Don't make it like pulling teeth. <laughs> right. Put all your facts together. Put together a nice introduction and just go from there. Just upfront, direct, honest, polite, right. professional. Exactly. And just, just know that. The $500 to $1,000 that some escort's going to make off of you for spending time with her. Like, it's not worth them jeopardizing their reputation to do anything with your real world information. Always just remember that screening is for safety. Um, we want to be comfortable in your presence. We want to make sure that, like, we're going to go home to our loved ones. And that's all it is. It's not intrusive because we want to know everything about you and tell your boss, neighbors, wife, kids, everything. We don't want to do that. We don't really care who you are. We just want to know who you are so we know that we're safe. Right, right. Well, Kate, I, I do want to say thank you very, very much for um, taking the time to uh, jump on the podcast with me to to talk about this and talk about your world it's such a huge part of the Las Vegas scene that I thought it would be interesting for my listeners to, uh, to bring people behind the curtain and you've done an absolutely incredible job of that. So again, uh, I say thank you uh, for taking the time to, uh, to chat with me today. Again, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You may have noticed that something Kate and I didn't discuss in our conversation was the legality surrounding escorts and prostitution in Las Vegas. 
In the interest of full disclosure, I did ask Kate if she wanted to cover that topic, and she declined. She said she wasn't really comfortable talking about it in that she's not a legal expert and didn't want to risk giving out any inaccurate information. If you're interested to find out for yourself, there's a fair bit of info available online from various legal sources, including multiple Las Vegas-based law firms. I would, however, caution against doing that search on the family laptop or your work computer. And that closes out yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or perhaps you're looking for suggestions for your own Vegas vacation on where to stay, where to eat, what to see, or what shows to check out, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 55 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Podcast.